Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about the Economy Act, which isn't quite what it sounds like. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com. All right, let's get started. It always amuses me how laws acquire popular names as they, as they make their way through Congress. It's some of them are are quite descriptive, and, and some of them are are just funny. The ones that are tied to a specific item, like the the 2002 Winter Olympic Commemorative Coin Act. I know exactly what that does. Yeah, there you go. And and sometimes they're related to the congressional sponsor that attaches their name to it, like the Taft-Hartley Act and the Javits-Wagner-O'Day Act. Sometimes the name actually describes what it does, although it can still be confusing. Today we're talking about the Economy Act, which was not passed to fix the economy. Although ironically, it was passed like right in the middle of the Great Depression, <laughs> like 100 years ago. So maybe it was, but it's, it's about economy of scale, not about just the economy in general. Right, right. Before we get into that and talk economies, this is not an economics podcast, but, but before we go there, let's stop and say thanks. I want to thank Natalie Bruzela McLean. Apologize if I butcher your name. She's from the Leach International Corporation. Uh, she's in the uh, Pomona, California area. I want to thank Natalie for liking and interacting with our posts on the Contracting Officer podcast group on LinkedIn. Because when folks like Natalie like and share our episodes, especially in that group, more people find our podcast. And our podcasts can give people more context on government contracting. Thanks, Natalie. All right, back to the Economy Act. The Economy Act of 1932 like you said, <laughs> 90 years ago. This comes from the U.S. Code, 31 U.S. Code, 1535. The Economy Act gives federal agencies the authority to order goods and services from other federal agencies and to pay the actual costs of those goods and services. So a, a federal agency can't set itself up as a, as a profit center by buying goods and services and selling them, selling them at a higher price to other federal agencies. So Congress passed the act in 1932 to to obtain economies of of scale and and eliminate overlapping activities within the federal government. Right. You don't want one agency buying something, negotiating a deal, doing a competition, and then another agency doing the exact same thing. And and so it costs us twice as much to buy the same things when when we could have just used the first contract that, that we competed, that we awarded. We'll jump right to FAR time. This is in FAR Part 17, Special Contracting Methods. FAR 17.502-2B says the Economy Act applies when more specific statutory authority does not exist. So the concept of using other agencies' contracts is not exclusive to the Economy Act. Right. I mean, the GSA schedules, I mean, those are by design built for other agencies to use them. So our government-wide acquisition contracts, and we've done episodes on multi-agency award contracts. Those are set up specifically for other agencies, like the NASA SOUP contract, which is the Solutions for Enterprise-Wide Procurement. That's designed for anybody in the federal government to be able to, to buy off of it. The Economy Act is talking about when one of those might not apply. So this isn't wide open. There are plenty of caveats in here that what you're buying 
from another agency must be in, in the scope of the contract. They can't, they can't go crazy just because they have a contract by something that's not meant to be part of that contract. We did a podcast episode about scope. That was episode 378. Utilizing the Economy Act for a, a buy from another agency also requires a determination and finding that it's the best path. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later in this podcast. The Economy Act, it's another area where flexibility already exists in the FAR. There is a reason to promote interagency communication and, and collaboration here, because if you're buying the same things, the Economy Act allows you to leverage the contracts you have. You, you may be able to, you, the government buyer, may be able to get a better deal. And then likewise, industry is able to make full use of a contract they already have. And for contractors, this is important because letting other agencies know about your contracts allows them to potentially use that, we'll call it additional capacity on an existing contract to, to, to fulfill their needs. Now, don't just spam them and say, well, Kevin said you could use the Economy Act. It's not quite that simple. <laughs> but the idea is this is a potential path to least resistance. If you have a contract in place, this allows for a government customer to be able to use it, hence the economy of scale. So what you're saying is if you have uh, an indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract with a certain agency that has scope that, uh, that other agencies also would buy, could buy the same things or could use the same things that you sell through this contract. When you're talking to other agencies, not the one that awarded you the contract, you can just tell them, hey, we already have an IDIQ with this agency. You could probably use that through the Economy Act. And then you make the introduction to your, your contracting officer, your users, and let it go from there. And when you're targeting, that's the most likely scenario when this is going to work. If you're just spamming somebody saying, hey, I have a contract over here, you want my stuff? Okay, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. What we are talking about is the acquisition time zones. <laughs> In every podcast, we try to pause and talk about where this occurs in the government acquisition process. This is pre-contract award. Obviously, you're trying to get to contract award through the Economy Act. So in the first of the acquisition time zones, the requirement zone, this is where you may be talking to another agency and say, hey, you need something. We already have a contract to provide that or, or almost that. It may require just a, a slight tweak in the requirements. But if this works for you, we already have a contract in place that you could use through the Economy Act. In the next zone, the market research zone, this is where the contracting officer has to determine that, hey, I've looked out there at how I could buy this, and I have determined and therefore find that the Economy Act, using this contract that already exists at another agency, is the best way to go. Then in the next zone, the RFP zone, this is where the contracting officer that that owns the contract it, at, at the it's called the servicing agency, the agency that's awarded the contract originally, that contracting officer then has to release an RFP or solicitation and make the deal or just place an order if it's that type of contract. Where this applies after award in, in the execution time zones is that third time zone, the recompete zone. If you have an existing requirement, you know you need to buy more of it after the period of performance of your contract has expired or as you're running up to it expiring, you might look and say, 
does this make sense for us to buy this again? Are we able to buy this again? Or should we consider utilizing another agency's contract? Does it make more sense to do that? I'm not saying that that will work that, or that's a good idea every time, but it's something that should be considered in the recompete zone. Hence the reason we're spending a whole episode talking about it. Uh, if you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three and the execution time zones are in episode 372. All right, Kevin, specifically on the government side, why should government people care about the Economy Act? If you need to buy something, why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> I mean, this, this could be the path of least resistance to be able to buy on a, a current contract. If one agency has a contract for something that another agency needs, why create an entirely new contract? I mean, that's the principle of a lot of the, the multiple agency or multi-agency IDIQ contracts that are out there. But this is even more specific to see what, what contract already exists that I could leverage to be able to award more quickly, more cost effectively, hence the economies of scale. We'll give a couple of examples of that and meet my customers' needs in the most efficient way possible. There's, there's not a lot of downside of at least considering this. But it's not just like getting candy out of a machine in the lobby where, where money comes in and machine. candy comes out, right? There is a little bit of paperwork involved. As I mentioned before, FAR 17.502-2C lays out the requirements for a determination and findings. And <laughs> should probably explain what a determination and finding is first. Government folks will will use the phrase DNF, but that doesn't mean too much to the industry folks. The DNF, the definition of a determination and finding is actually in FAR 1.701. A determination of funding means a special form or written approval by an authorized official that is required by statute of regulation as a prerequisite to taking a certain contract action. Okay. The idea is that the determination is a conclusion or a decision that's supported by a finding. So I found this, therefore I've determined this. And it's a statement of fact or a rationale essential to support the determination it's funny, they call it determination and findings, but it's actually the other way around. It's findings yeah, exactly. and, and determination. Okay. Yeah, so I found something and I in order to it. use the Economy Act, you have to write a DNF. And the FAR says the DNF shall state that the use of an interagency acquisition is in the best interest of the government. Okay, that's easy. That's I've determined that this is the best way to do it. Number two, state that supplies or services cannot be obtained as conveniently or economically by contracting directly with a private source. In other words, I could do my own source selection, but it's easier and more economical to just use this contract that already exists. The use of the word conveniently or economically, I mean, you could drive a truck through both of those words. So there's, there's a lot of judgment to say, well, what's convenient? Uh, it's really easy to say it's more convenient to use in a contract that already exists. So I think that one's pretty, that, that number two requirement is pretty easy to meet too. Number three is, the DNF must include a statement that at least one of the following circumstances applies. That the contract you're going to be using was in place before you place an order for the same or similar supplies or services, or the servicing agency has the capabilities and expertise to enter into a contract that you don't have in your agency, or the servicing agency, the the agency that owns a contract is specifically authorized by law or regulation to purchase such supplies or services on behalf of other agencies, right? So if you have one of those three, 
and it's in the best interest of the government, and it's conveniently more convenient or economic to use this contract, then the contracting officer can sign a determination of findings. And it's really just at the contracting officer level in most cases. To me, if you, if you line up the ducks here, okay, the contract is already in place. It's in the best interest of the government. It's con- more convenient than making my own contract. Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> when you line them up, it's, 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 it is really that linear when you, when you start to look at what the FAR actually says. Yep. And if, if you already have a contract in place that has extra capacity, it's to the benefit of the government overall to let, to advertise, to let other government folks know that they can use that as well. I think you had one of those early in your career, didn't you, Kevin? Exactly. Uh, we, we had an, an, uh, an option exercise for a large item that we weren't going to use. What kind of large item? The aircraft. <laughs> it was an actual jet. Uh, but so the army, but I, I don't want to make it sound like this only applies to, to large acquisitions. If you have an unexercised option, in our case, the army actually used that option under the Economy Act. They said, oh, you've got this, you got this aircraft you're not going to buy, we'll buy it. That's a lot easier <laughs> than them going out and building their own aircraft uh, source selection from scratch. So you had already spent a year doing a source selection Correct. to buy a certain type of aircraft and you had options to buy more of them that all you had to do was issue an option exercise modification and the contractor would build it and deliver it. And yeah. so the army came into your air force contract and said, I want one of those. And they didn't have to really do anything in order to buy it other than send you the money. The, the, the biggest change was getting the Air Force to say, are we sure we don't want it? Because it's an option that we're giving away. It was, you know, just a little bit of, again, yeah. at that scale, it's a little bit of a politics. But for example, if we're talking about unused software licenses, let's put this you know, more at the ground level where it's not a giant acquisition. The cost of them, cost of licenses goes down as you're buying more of them. So let's say that, that agency A has 5,000 licenses and the price cut is at like, the, I don't know, the, the, the 3,000 to 5,000 license. And they only bought 4,000 of them. They have 1,000 licenses with, any, with a lower price already in place. So again, already have a contract in the best interest of the government, more convenient than going out and establishing a new contract for those licenses. Seems like a no-brainer to, for the government to use that strategy. Yeah. If, if you have that situation, if you're not going to use the last licenses that you already have available on contract... What a great way to, again, use economies of scale to allow other agencies to reap the benefits of your existing contract. Now, that seems very similar to some of the GSA, GWAC, multi-award kind of kind of things, multi-agency contracts that we've been talking about, where it's set up to do that. But this is a little bit different. In case of the Economy Act, there are no extra fees. FAR 17.502-2D talks about payment. And it says, in no event shall the servicing agency, that's the folks that already have the contract in place, in no event shall the servicing agency require or the requesting agency pay any fee or charge in excess of the actual cost of entering into or administering the contract under which that, that order is filled. That would kind of negate the economy of scale idea if, for example, the Army had to pay us, I don't know, $100,000 to buy our option from us. That's not how this works. The idea is that let's take advantage of what you already have in place. Now, the Army might pay if they were exercising the option on your contract. 
and your office was going to administer the contract and actually do do the work to to I, I guess customize what whatever work has to be done to deliver a plane and make sure that it meets requirements and accept it and all that. If if your office is going to do that, the army would pay the actual costs of servicing that contract, right? You're just not going to charge them a fee. It's not like a blanket fee. If you use a GSA contract, there is a percentage cost to use that contract that GSA gets. What whether or not that's actually what it costs them to do that business. The Economy Act locks that down and says, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, but the Economy Act locks that down. It's a different approach. And says, you, you'll pay the actual costs only. So again, it, 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 it definitely helps, Kevin. It's like you said, the Air Force wasn't able to say, well, for a million dollars, you can use our contract and then use yeah, that million dollars to, to fund another requirement, right? That's not- Yeah, right. exactly. I'm sure they thought of that, but the Economy Act doesn't allow for that. All right, industry folks, I think you're probably already picking up on on the the opposite side of of the the government piece that we just talked about, right? If you have a contract for software licenses and they've only bought four thousand and there's a thousand more that are already negotiated that all they have to do is fund and that that money will come your way, you'll sell more licenses, you can market those licenses. You can go out and talk to other agencies. And when you're trying to make the sale, instead of saying, hey, buy these licenses and having them recoil, oh, geez, I'll have to do a competition. I'll have to write a bunch of paperwork. You could say, no, no, no. We already have a contract with this other agency. All you have to do is write a DNF, a determination and findings, and you can use the Economy Act to buy these, right? So if you have contract ceiling, if you have an IDIQ that has $10 million left that your the agency that issued it is not going to be able to use because they don't have the funding. Another agency may be able to use it, right? It's it's up to you to make that happen, though. The government's not going to make those sales for you. And remember, it's not just about adding work; it's about the economy of scale. So that that's how you look at this from the from the industry perspective: is how can I help the government make the most the best use of the contract that they already have with me? It could be the path to least resistance for them. It really sounds like it should be. Yeah, I, I, hence hence the whole podcast episode about it. Well, that really was the whole episode. I, I think that's it for today, Kevin. All right, I'll see you, Paul. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us for another Contracting Officer podcast. We've organized our podcasts into, into playlists of a sort. You can find those at skywayacq.com slash COP, COP for Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.